For y'all that's followed me from the Chillin' Tale days, you might have heard the original story of Crazy Eyes Jack. But now I come to you to tell you the whole story from the mouth of the killer himself. Tell you the way he saw it through them crooked, crazy eyes. This is from an interview by Thomas Miller of the Philadelphia Bulletin from inside Eastern State Penitentiary with Crazy Eyes Jack himself, Wednesday, February 13th, 1924. Then it goes. So you, so you want to know my story, huh? Is that right, Mr. Miller? You want to know what's what going on up in here, huh? Well, I tell you. I know that within a few hours, they're going to fry me. Fry me just like an old chicken somewhere. And I don't deny what I did to that young girl up in Snyder's Gate, nor do I deny the other stuff that they say I did. You know, the stuff they say I did leading up to what put me here. And I guess I should start at the very beginning, just so you can get the whole story, get the whole picture. Are you comfortable? Good. Good. You should be comfortable because you ain't the one tied up in a chair and chained down to it. <laughs> they used to put something over my mouth like I'm some kind of dog or something. Anyway, I was born 1903. The exact day of month of my birth been lost to me. And I don't remember if it was spring or summer, fall, winter. I don't know. And I started off as a as an orphan. You see, I spent the first years of my childhood in Cayuga County, right up there in the orphanage up in Auburn, right up in Auburn, New York. Now it didn't take long for me to figure out why I was there. With these here peoples I got, <laughs> my parents, whoever they are, were dismayed about my condition. Now, all I ever was told about them is that they were of high social class and high standing in the community. So with me being uh, afflicted with my deformity, they didn't want me. They simply gave me the name Jack and dropped me off at the orphanage. What's that? Yes, my name is actually Jack. Simply Jack. Not Jackson, nothing. Just simply Jack. You want to know my last name? <laughs> I'm afraid that too has been lost to me. My parents did everything to conceal their embarrassment and never left those in charge that information. Just the one name. I lived in the orphanage for about eight years. Life for me there was cruel. Cruel, now I tell you, I was taunted by the other children and all but neglected by those in charge. Now I admit that, you know, old Jack was a handful now, but, you know, because not only was I deformed physically, but mentally. Now, however, the treatment I received 
it ain't helped me one bit. In the year 1911, I ran away. I fled in the dark of night, taking what I needed from where I could find it. And after days of travel, I ended up in Elmira. And I was taken in by a kind of elderly fruit seller. Now, he wasn't put off by my appearance because he was a kind man. And for the first time, I had a real home. You know, it's like he looked at me and he just, he just could tell that, you know, behind all the, behind all the ugly, that I'm a decent guy. Hmm. <sighs> now, to hide my deformity, the fruit seller got me a pair of dog glasses that he kept. And if anybody asked, I told him my eyes were sensitive to the sunlight. And the glasses protected them. You know, back then, people, people, oof. It's still that way today, but it was a little worse then. When you were deformed, they looked at you like you was some kind of creature of sin. Some kind of deviled outcast or something that God himself cursed to roam this earth until he spent the rest of his life in hell. Now, for four years, I lived with him and helped him sell his fruit. And then one day he died. Hmm. And I didn't want to be sent to another orphanage. And when a policeman, a social worker, and all them people tried to take me, I fought back. And it was quite a thrill to be the one on top. The beating of my fists against their skin and bone, the biting, the the scratching was like heaven to me. And I managed to escape and I hopped on a freight head itself. What that? What? Where did I go? <laughs> Williamsport, Pennsylvania. That's right where I wound up. I arrived in Williamsport in the spring of 1915. I still had my glasses and after finding my way through the city, I ended up at Madame Marie's. Now, Madame Marie was this high-class brother located off Millionaire Row. I worked as a houseboy, you know, doing what they sent me to do, all that, you know. And I'd do light housekeeping and run a few errands here and there. I was treated pretty well. I even had a little room in the attic. And as long as I didn't disrupt the floor of business or cause no trouble, I was allowed to stay and earn my keep. And I met Felicia Garner in 1918. She was my first true love, and like Gloria, Felicia was a tall, red-haired young woman. But unlike Gloria, Felicia's eyes were like radiant silver. You ever seen a person with silver-colored eyes, Mr. Miller? <laughs> no. Well, let me tell you, they are quite a sight to behold. Now, those silver eyes shine like diamonds in just the right light. And anyway, Felicia and I soon grew close to one another and even had a relationship. It may sound strange, but, but despite her being 21 and me 15, we had a true thing going there. And she even, you know, actually got to see my eyes and didn't even shudder when she seen them. Can you believe that? Somebody 
Somebody that look like me could get a chance at somebody as sweet as her. Allow me to take a quick break for the sponsors. Then we're going to get right back to it. Hmm. Now, I still have my mental troubles now. <laughs> now, old Jack was still crazy as they come now. But with Felicia standing by me, those mental troubles were just a mild inconvenience. You know, just a little inconvenience to me and everybody else. But now it all came crashing down. In 1919, a clan came in one evening and he was a wild one for sure now, I tell you. That boy came in busting through the front door like a tornado. All flamboyantly dressed and flashing money around. And he built all, he looked at all the ladies before settling in on Felicia. Now I knew it. I knew that it was something off with that guy. And I told my Marie. And she said she could feel it too. And she could feel something was off. But business was business. And if the man tried anything, all Felicia would have to do was press a secret button located under the nightstand. And that was some of the bouncer who would come up and take care of that troublemaker and give him a what for. Now this made me feel a little better. But I still decided to stay by her door. Now at first, everything seemed fine. But then I heard the sounds of a struggle. Now, without thinking, I went into Felicia's room and I saw that stranger with one hand on Felicia's throat and the other hand he held a dagger. Now, I tried to save her. I tried. But I, I, it was just too late now, man. That man stabbed before. He we stabbed poor Felicia. Right before I can get to her, and the man and I scuffled for a little while, and I soon got the upper hand on him. Now soon that wild stranger was dead on the floor and my dark glasses were broken in the process. And when everybody came to see the commotion, they saw my accursed eyes and everyone thought it was me. My sanity was in shambles and I fled again into the dark and hopped yet another train. All I could think was, bye Felicia. Now, I was a wreck, and anyone I seemed to get close to and who actually showed me love would be taken from me. And the next thing I remember was being kicked off the moving train by that brake man as I went through Snyder's Gate. See, I ain't had no destination in particular. I just go where the train goes me to. Now, I had originally planned on riding the rails from coast to coast till my dying day. I spent the rest of my life on the train. But when I got off, or when I got put off, I should say, really changed my plans. Now I decided that I would just be the local miscreant. What's that? Why did I change my plans? It's simple. I was tired of people just, you're tired of just moving from place to place all the time. And for some reason, I felt compelled to make Snyder's Gate my home. Just like it was destiny or something. I don't know, boy, I can't explain it. It's just what I felt. And sometimes what you felt that you can't mess with. Now I settled into a one room wooden shack in a local junkyard. 
And yes, I did all those things to town. People said I did the vandalism, the peeping, and the violations of the laws, of the natural laws between man and beast. I did all of it. I did. And I ain't ashamed of it. I did it. You know, they tried to get rid of me. Yes, they did. Heck, they even sent me to the insane asylum. And that was the worst for me right there, boy. I gave the doctors and staff there a hard time, boy. Nobody could figure out, you know, that I was scaling the walls of a cell and getting through the ducts. I made my way through the ducts, and I slipped out once I was outside my cell. I caused all kinds of trouble. They tried to medicate me and, and lobotomize me, and each time they tried to do anything, I fought back like a wild animal. Until they decided to just give up and dump me back at Snyder's Gate. <laughs> Ain't that something when you get kicked out the insane asylum? Ain't that insane? <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, some of the men managed to get me into a mailbag and toss me on a mail train. I still made it back. Now, even though, you know, it was clear that I wasn't welcome in Snyder's Gate, I just couldn't stay away, man. It was like something compelled me to stay. I don't know how else to explain it. It was only then that, you know, when that family moved up from Philadelphia did I figure out why. As you know, that family had a daughter named Gloria who became the object of my desires. I had a burning fire desire for that girl. Now, now you probably read about her or seen her in the news. And I soon met Gloria. Well, not met, you know, more like encountered her soon after she and her family arrived. I ran down Main Street with a loaf of bread I stole from the grocery store when I bumped right into her. Now, she reminded me so much of Felicia, the woman I loved it. And I couldn't stay away from her. She was all I could think about day and night and night and day. And the only thing between me and her was that Amos. That Amos fella. Now you can pretty much guess the rest of the story now. And I hope I gave you a nice, you know, nice little, nice little juicy suckling story for your paper, Mr. Miller. Do I have any regrets? <laughs> Not really. You know, only that I was born. <laughs> Did that count? You know, my time is up, Mr. Miller. And they got that hot seat all ready for me. But I heard one good thing, though, is I heard that once they get to shooting all that juice through you, it make your eyes pop right up out your head. <laughs> the infamous Crazy Eyes Jack was executed Wednesday, February 13th at 1 o'clock p.m. by electrocution in Eastern State Penitentiary. His last words were, I regret nothing, before he spat on the floor. The life of crazy-ass Jack, while short-lived, was intriguing. Now, for those who wish to delve into the life and secrets of crazy-ass Jack, please continue reading this article. 
Now, if you don't care about such things, I'm simply uninterested in the complexity of this depraved soul. You may wish to leave the matter here. Thomas H. Miller from the Philadelphia Bulletin.